0: Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman, and we are entering into part four in a little mini-series on the topic of evangelism. And if you listen to the last episode, we started kind of a, a subtopic of methods. So, you know, we've talked about the message. We talked about that the gospel has to have the utmost integrity. Uh, I'm kind of gonna, you know, reduce the summary that I have been doing and kind of just get right into it. But now we're we're on a kind of, part two of our our topic on methods. We did not finish it in our last episode, and we have a lot to say. And hopefully in this episode, we even get into some more practical things, and we tell some more stories of our own uh, evangelistic uh, encounters that we've had through our years of evangelism. And I've only been doing full-time evangelism for a few years. Dan's been doing it for decades, so he has hundreds of stories. So hopefully we get to mine into his uh his memory bank a little bit and and uh, well, that, some of his cool stories of <laughs>
1: that's the problem <laughs> though it can have decades <laughs> right but you, you forget half of what you did right yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 so that's I mean, going to be what we're going to get into today is just um yeah talking more about this this subtopic of methods under evangelism um and again as a as a again, as a summary, we we really just define methods as uh, the way in which we get to the proclamation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as soon as our methods start to mess with the actual message of the gospel, that's where we've gone too far. That's where we've entered into severe error, and that's where we're changing the message of the gospel, and we can't do that. So we have to realize that any method that we employ in evangelism, it, it can't mess with the message itself. It can't mess with mess with the content of the gospel. And as Paul says, there is no other gospel. There's no there's only one gospel message. And if anybody comes to you preaching a different gospel, let them be accursed. So. That's what we have to realize when, you know, we talk about methods is, in, in a sense, you have to draw a divide between our actual message and then how we get to that message. Yeah. But Dan's going gonna... to— Well,
1: just to emphasize that, Sam, we emphasized it yesterday, but as way of segue. Um, and not just the compromise of the gospel, our methods can lead us to not even share the gospel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <it's> we <true. laughs> you know, and I I read the, you know, parable of the fishless fishermen. you know, we learn to get right, along right. with everybody because we want people to like us and we're really friendly and we want them to know. Yep. But
0: and we'll kind of dance around it a little bit.
1: But you can't you can't live the Pythagorean theorem. You got to kind of speak it and proclaim it. Yep.
0: It, exactly.
1: <laughs> so anyway, I just we already talked labor that quite a bit. I just want to say Yeah.
0: Yeah. So why, yeah, why don't you uh Yep. Go ahead. Lead us in some uh scripture verses and kind of well, set yeah. the pace a bit.
1: Well, I think I think what's valuable in this discussion is okay, so even when you speak about me for decades, seriously, if I were to think through 35 years of vocational Christian ministry. Yep. And even prior to that, okay, I've been involved in the mass evangelism kind of stuff. I've you know, I not I haven't preached a th- tens of thousands, that's not my point. But I've either in right. the early days of my ministry, I was involved with kind of mass evangelism and what you call follow-up and all those systems. I've been around that. I've yep. uh, done evangelism in jails, in prisons. In fact, I go to the jail every week here locally. I have for 22 years. Yep. Yeah, And a group of guys come in. I mean, I've been actively involved in that. Um, I've been to right, truck, right. Tr- truck stop evangelism, knocking on door evangelism, street evangelism, yep. standing in the open air, having discussions, kind of proclamation with, asking questions and engagement with apologetics. I've been on panels at universities with other religions. You know, I lots of relational evangelism, running across people that stop at my house or whatever. But in a lot of coffee shops, a lot of McDonald's, people laugh at me. Oh, I like my McDonalds. I meet people at McDonald's (laughs) all the time, you know, and it's it's my point is, is I you know, I've done I don't even know how much of different stuff. And, and when I say right. that, to, and, and I'm saying it to you, not to highlight me. If we look at the scripture, this is the point. And let's just right now, we can talk about Jesus and all the different people he talked to. But right. th- then you can go to the book of Acts and you, rea- you realize all, all the different contexts in the book of Acts. And so one of the things, and you've been with me, Sam, when we've done these training conferences, like in Africa, and I've done it in other places, you know, we'll have all these people in a room. And one of the things we do is we have, we hand them all these sermons from the book of Acts. I don't know if you can post it somewhere, Sam, on your website. It would be great to put all those and let people see them, or they can find them on their own. But you go through every one of those sermons. And you realize that we do this in this in the, in our training. We do a workshop time. We break everybody up in these groups. Uh, the last time, you know, I did it where's 240 leaders from 11 different African countries, many from a former yep. re- religions. Uh, really fascinating. Yep. Break them up in these small groups. Assign them each one of the groups one of these sermons in the Book mm-hmm. of Acts, Acts primarily. Have them go through that sermon and say, pull out the key points of this message. What was the key points mm-hmm. of this message? Mm-hmm. And then we get on a big whiteboard in front, and we start drawing mm-hmm. it, saying, okay, what do they talk about? And it's f- interesting, by the time I'm done on that whiteboard, numerous top key key points are the right. same, same virtually in every single message. And then when you mm-hmm. distill those out, you know, God, the justice of God, uh, the sinfulness of man, the work of Jesus. You're called to trust and, uh, turn from your sin. Uh, the Holy spirit will come, you know, with you on you, in you. We, I'm not trying to be theological yep. in that debate right now, but there's an encounter somehow with the very spirit of God. Yep. Uh, it's like exactly, except for, there's some differences in everyone, a different audience, a different preacher. Sometimes, you know, you have Peter and you have Paul, and the different guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the point is, is they all end up at the same place. The gospel message, the, this right. proclamatory, <laughs> this, this this piece of knowledge that is the key knowledge that we've already labored in these other ones, that's what yep. they get to. So the doorway yep. could be a lot of different doorways. And so if mm. you went into a Jewish synagogue, you're going to talk to a Jewish group of people differently than you are a particular Gentile group of people. And this mm-hmm. is why you read yesterday in First Corinthians 9, you know, i become all things to all men, as Paul said, because yep. think about this idea. We already said it, but being an ambassador means not only do I understand where I'm coming from and my identity, and I yeah. represent my Lord, my God, my King. Right. But but I'm bringing something to you. And if I'm an ambassador, I'm bringing a bridge. In a sense, everything's cross-cultural almost. You could say it that way. Um, I need to know how you think. I need to know kind of what you're about, either personally, individually, mm-hmm. maybe something going on in your life. You just, Somebody very important to you just passed away, and maybe you're thinking about life and death now, right? Mm-hmm. I need to be aware of what's going on in you. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll get more to methods, but that means a lot of what I do is ask people questions. People yep. ask me all the time, how is it you get in these conversations? Well, I ask people questions all the time. I went, right. my wife and right. I, the first night after the, you know, the COVID thing, we were able to go to a restaurant the other night and I took Tina out. And and I sat there and after when I was done, I was thinking about this podcast and some of these discussions. I thought, you know, I do this all the time. Our, our waitress, I found out, you know, she's not from this area. She's been here for about five years going to school. She's from Cody, Wyoming. Uh, of course, I've been out there hunting, so I was able to talk about the different areas. Oh, yeah, that community, this yeah, community. Yeah. Pretty yep. soon, she's my friend, you know. <laughs> you, know I, <laughs> you know, it's just hilarious, right? And then pretty soon, why did you come to KU? What are you studying? Why are you studying that? And, you know, well, that's an important thing. You ever think about how that affects it? I mean, you you really want to help human beings, don't you? Yeah. Mm. And then all of a sudden, think about where you're starting to go now, you know. And you can, right, right. Now, we, we didn't get to the gospel the other night. Sometimes I'll hand people something to read but my point is is you ask all these questions you find out what they're thinking and where they're at and then there's a doorway right that you step through and that's all i want to say so exactly so two high two highlights that i want i like to highlight when i do this because they're in one way they're so diverse if you go to um acts 14 for example and we go to lystra particularly it's just an interesting conversation here because uh uh There was a man here in verse 8 at Lystra. A man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, so he was paralyzed or, you know, had uh, infirmity. The man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who when he fixed his gaze upon him and seen him, he had faith to be made well. And said with a loud voice, stand up right on your feet, leaped up, began to walk. Now, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying, in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. Okay, so these were... uh, uh, you know, uh, Gentile, pagan people um, believed in probably multiple gods, which they typically mm-hmm. did. Uh, gods with a little G, of course. Uh, yep. You know, this is the idea. Think of Zeus and these kinds of superhuman gods that they would have. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how they thought. And they began calling on Barnabas and Zeus. They called Barnabas Zeus and they called Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city. See, they had a religion. They had a world a, yep. say, a view, a worldview, a system of th- thought based on Zeus, uh, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice for the crowds. Okay. So yep. w- when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men in the same nature as you. So we're human hmm. beings. We're not gods. And you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things in and into to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. So first of all, there's a there. They have a say a theology. These people do a right. view of life. Say a worldview. You could use that term, and maybe it's overused now. But the point is, they have a view of life that's these you know finite gods finite godism is usually what it's called these pagan gods call it polytheism if you want um and he's saying, no, 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 no. We want you to turn from these vain things, including these vain gods and these fake things, and turn to the a true living God who actually made everything. He is the creator, sustains everything. In, in in generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, and yet he did not leave them without a witness. So there was a reality. This is You go to Romans 1, they could look into the world and know God existed. Uh, That he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Okay. So, all I wanted to make point is this Lystra people were were think of a more rural people. It'd be like North Dakota, like, you know, some of these communities I've been with you and with you and Brandon, uh, Sam. Yep. Um, You know, more rural communities, ranchers, farmers. Yeah. See, think what he's saying. So he starts to appeal to them and appealing to them. He said, hey, you know, you've been planting crops and you've been out there doing your agricultural thing and believing in these gods with a little G that really don't exist. They really didn't create anything. They're very familiar with creation, even though they may not use that word, right? They they know that they participate in this world. And he's saying that rain, all that stuff, you guys, let me tell you the one who's behind that. You see? Mm -hmm. So he understood what they were thinking and he was able to use that as a doorway, a hatchway, right. I've heard it yep. said. In fact, Oz Guinness has a wonderful little book on this for those that are interested. Or not a little book. It's actually a really helpful book called Fool's Talk. And there's a lot, too. And Oz Guinness mm-hmm. is a brilliant guy. And he writes some really, you know, not heady stuff, but stuff that you got to really think about. But he talks about this, like these doorways... These hatchways hmm. to the gospel. So there's Lystruth yep. Now you flip in your Bible, just and this is what I usually do. I mean, I could go to a lot of these examples, but you go over to Acts 17 and you're in Athens. Now Paul's over yep. in yep. Athens. Yep. Okay. And <clears throat> Paul was waiting uh, for uh, you know his comrades in Athens, uh 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 his spirit, his spirit, Paul's spirit within him, was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he provoked, okay, so Mm. he's burdened, it's hurting him, he sees this stuff these people believe in and it's false and it bothers him. So he was reasoning in the synagogue, okay, think of that. So first of all, reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, okay? So the first thing he was doing is speaking to Jews and Gentiles, or God-fears. God-fears are those who are Gentiles who are converting to Judaism. So obviously Mm. in the synagogue with Jewish people, he's speaking Old Testament Jewish uh, Judaism. And he's using it and he's speaking to him. But then it says, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. This goes back to your acquaintance thing you talked about yesterday. Yeah. Uh, These are people he really didn't know. He just went in the marketplace and whoever was there, he engaged a conversation with them. You're right. (laughs) Now, I don't know exactly what he did and I don't know how long it took, but he did. But then it says in verse 18, and also, also there were some people there, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers We're conversing with him. Now, these are philosophical people. These are academy people. These are university people. Okay. Think about that. This is my city, Lawrence, Kansas. You go down there and you have these intellectual people who, there's bookstores all over my city. Of course, it's changing with the internet world. But seriously, I mean, I'm in a city of intellectual people that like to read and think about ideas. There's a lot of that here in Lawrence, Kansas, where the University of Kansas is, right? Yep. That would be different than one of those ranch cities where people actually work all day long, 20 hours a day up in rural North Dakota, right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't just sit around think reading books all day. They're out there, you know, wrestling cattle or whatever yeah. they're doing, right? Okay. And we've been, I have a bunch of friends up there, man. It's just, they're amazing people. They're brilliant. By the way, by the way, let me add something. doesn't mean one's more smart than the other. Some of the most smartest people right. in the world are Rural ranch farmer people. They are so fascinating. Right. They know markets. They know mechanics. They know animal husbandry. They know oh, the crops. Man. They know weather. You want to get around brilliant people. You get around farmers and ranchers. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you guys. I mean, they're seriously.
2: And oh, they're, true. It's true.
1: And, and then they're rugged. They're right. tough as nails. I was up there, right? Yeah. We have friends up there. And I'm thinking, 20 below, and you're out with an axe chopping a hole in the ice for your cattle every day? <laughs> I mean, these guys are just tough. Tough to, yeah. I you know, I just get excited thinking about. It. But anyway, so these are Stoic philosophy. Other people sit around reading books, thinking about ideas, not saying negative. I'm just this is who they are. Yep. So he's convening with them. Some were saying, What does this babbler wish to say? They're looking at him, thinking, He's not so bright. Where'd you get your PhD?
2: Who are yeah. you, you babbler?
1: <laughs> right? So, uh, he seems to be proclaiming strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. There it is. He's talking about the gospel. And they're yep. going, well, that's a strange idea. You're not one yeah. of us. So they have him come. They brought him into the Areopagus, which is, you know, think of the university. Yep. Uh, and we want to hear about this new teaching. Because they like new ideas. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, I'll, I'll entertain your ideas. Let me come in there and talk. And so, as he goes down here, though, this is interesting. Men of Athens, I observe that you're very religious in all respects. For I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship. I found an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. Now, there's a lot of discussion about this unknown God thing. But realize, uh, you know, again, I've just read. and I mean, what do I know? I've just been studying it and reading it the best I know how. But... The unknown God, um, it's not so much necessarily that they think of the God that you and I think of, the actual God that exists. Right. There's, there's a real, real discussion that says they believed in all these potential pagan gods and they didn't want yep. to disturb any of them. Have you heard that, Sam? So yeah, they, they, yeah. Pu- they put up this unknown to cover any of the bases case one showed yeah, up that was just, angry yep. with them for forgetting him. So yeah. you, you've, you've heard that, right? So, I mean, I've read this in, you know, and. You know, I'll go with that since, I mean, I'm not a historic guy back then, but everything I've read, that's what was going on. But the point is they have this unknown God. Now think about it. So Paul jumps on that. He uses that as a doorway. Hey, by the way, this unknown God, the one that you got this little thing over here, uh, let me tell you about him. Therefore, what you Mm -hmm. worship in ignorance may I proclaim to you. Now here's what's important. Okay, He understands their thinking. Remember, they're Epicurean, Stoic philosophy. These are philosophy, academic people. Okay, let me just give you another little clue here, okay? One of the things in these ancient philosophers, if I could use that word ancient, um, they were always trying to find the source for the beginning of all things. Like, what is this Mm. uncaused cause? What is this thing that causes everything to move? See, for example, they would see movement. You think of movement. Okay, if something's moving, what started the movement? What's behind this? So there were these talks like a river. This would be a philosophical discussion. Really? Like, think of a river as moving. So if you touch that river, you could never touch the same river again because it's moving. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. where's the real river? See, it sounds weird, but like if everything's moving and you can never touch the real river, is everything just an illusion? Right. And there's a whole <laughs> philosophy like that. This is everything we're living in here because it's all in movement is purely an illusion. So, yep. and I don't know if I, some of the listeners of this podcast just lost their mind on that. But seriously, just... Ponder that a minute. Well, that's the stuff these guys are thinking about. That's, yeah. the po- that's the point. These are philosophers, and this is their philosophy. They're trying to figure out original movement. Where does this come from? All hmm. these kinds of things. So look what he says. Uh, He says, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Now, uh, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. All important issues, because they think somehow maybe the gods depend on us and all these sorts of ideas. It's like, no, 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 he's removed from us. He's separate from us. He created us. And he can exist totally independent of us. And then he goes on and he says... uh, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times. He's the one. He's sovereign. He puts people in their place. He makes Sam a certain ethnic uh, reality, a certain uh, a gender, right. Uh, uh, right. a certain height, a certain color. He made me that way. Right. I, I'm not responsible. Right? Right. right. Uh, I just All I can do is accept it. Um, he determined their appointed times, boundaries of their habitation, uh, so that they would seek God if perhaps they might grow up for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For for here's the key, the, the key I want you to catch here then too. For in him we live and move and exist. Mm. In him we move and have our being, some you know, some of the translations say. The point in all that is that that's what they're looking for. See? They're trying to figure out, okay, if I'm movement there's a sense of movement here. Where did this thing start? Am I just an illusion? What yeah. am I? You see? So the point, all I'm trying to say is that just like understanding the people in Lystra, right? You're laughing, but you get it, right? He understands what they're thinking.
0: Yep. yep. And
1: I, I'm not trying to go down a whole apologetic road with you right now on apologetics, because I think we're going to get there. But sort of this is frustrating to me a little bit, even with my 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 dear biblical preaching brethren. Who I adore. Yeah. And I, again, I, I don't want to get into name, names, but it's not about name calling. But I've had some critique, like, well, why are you doing apologetics? And, and, you know, why, you know, you don't need that. Just preach the gospel. And I go, well, yeah, it is true. I know what you're saying. You're saying we need to emphasize the proclamation of the gospel. The very thing you and I have been saying, Sam, throughout this whole yep, thing. Yep, right? yep. Right? At the same time, if I go to my presuppositions, again, these ideas mm-hmm. of my beginning points, God's there. He actually spoke. And I go to my Bible, I find it interesting that Paul understood the mindset behind these people. Yeah. And that's all I'm trying to do. I don't like to play games. I don't have a philosophy degree, though. I read a lot of that stuff. Some of it's interesting. Some of it's just heady, crazy stuff that I'm just like, I, I get where they're going. and I. But, but a lot of it is... You know, even uh, a quarter century ago now, which sounds weird, but like twenty-five years ago, I moved to Lawrence, Kansas, and I found a very which part of the reason I moved here is this is if again what I said if you want to say uh, is a city of ideas, it's an intellectual university city. Anybody mm-hmm. that's around mm-hmm. university, yep. you guys know what I'm talking about. And you know, so the all sorts. Of, well, if I'm going to engage people with the gospel here, I better know what they're thinking. Right. So, I, to some degree. Without being weird, and when I say by weird, I can't read their entire canon of everything they read. It's impossible.
2: Yeah,
1: I don't yep. have that kind of time. So I have people around me, though. I have intellectual godly men around me that are really sharp guys in certain fields. They have PhDs in certain fields of study. And they yep. can inform me, hey, give me the rundown on that thinking real quick, will you? Uh, yep. You know, what's two articles I can read? What's one chapter in a book so I can just know that? Now, I just don't assume everybody listening to this are going to go do that. But I do do that stuff. But mm-hmm. it's not its mm-hmm. not because I'm enamored with philosophy. It's not, you know, I'm saying this sort of to even some of my and that have accused me of, you know, apologize, You do apologetics. Well, I, I do <laughs> apologize because I want to understand the people. I want to understand what they're actually thinking Yeah. so I can find doorways Exactly, because I'm on the same page as some of my dear brothers and guys that I don't know, but I hear on YouTube and all these guys are some popular guys that are really strong preachers of the word. And man, I love them. I would I would just sit and listen to them every day. Yep. And they critique this sometimes. I go, no, wait a minute, guys. I'm with you. All I'm trying to do is get to a world that's out there on the street that has a yep. doorway, and I'm looking for the doorway, and I'm willing to mm. I'm willing to know a little bit about ranching, even though I'm not a rancher, so I can step through a doorway. Exactly. It's no different. I, I, it's so, you know, I want to know this stuff. That's the point. And so even right now I'm traveling with some international men. We go to uh, other countries a lot and they are astute. A couple of them have PhDs in like Islamic studies. Yep. You know, I don't, I honestly don't Here, where I live though. There are Muslims in my city. Okay. I don't spend a yep. lot of time in the in the in the Muslim community. I really don't. I know I've know I know a few, you know. So yep. but that's an area I need to kind of probably get better at. So I listen to my got brothers and they teach me some things about Islam and, you know, I don't know that much. And so I'm trying yeah. to I'm trying to learn so I can answer a few questions and know the doorways. Exactly. You know that's that's the point. I'm never going to be like they are. These I, I literally travel with two international men who have PhDs. And, you know, it's called comparative religion, religious studies, Ph.D., uh, Islamic studies, whatever you want to call it. The point right. is they know that stuff forwards and backwards. They, you know, they speak right. the language. They know the stuff. They come out of those worlds. And you met some of these guys, Sam. It's just fascinating. And it's like, wow. Oh, I know. So when we do... Um, You know, when we do training in our seminars, we do do training in some of that stuff. Like, those guys run with that stuff. I just sit and listen, you know, know, and take a few notes when I can. But for the most part, it's not even in English most of the time. So I'm like, (laughs) like, what are you guys talking about, you know? But anyway, it's kind of fun. So the point in methods right now, I think the principle that I'm laying,
0: the theological
1: ministry principle starts with scriptures. When I look at scriptures, I see Jesus talking to different people. In different places. He knows their issues. He knows this woman had uh, many husbands. He knows this guy has a family and he's a centurion. Uh, he knows this person is a synagogue ruler. And then you go mm-hmm. to Acts and it's just very clear. Paul understood what these people were thinking. and So, it's kind of helpful that we know what people are thinking.
0: Right. So Exactly.
1: And I could keep talking about this, but let me say one more thing and then I know I can see you're jumping up and down. You want to say something probably. But... Um, this goes, let's, let's take this to the individual now. Obviously, Sam and I are talking as, I hate to say we're professionals because I feel like I'm just a normal guy, but I guess I'm sort of a professional. I have advanced degrees in this and I've been doing it forever. So, okay, I'll just accept that. But the point being is this, is that every, for the most part, every one of us, not the most part, everyone listening to this has a life and experience and a background in something. And there's probably the reality is is that they're probably going to witness and share their faith with people in their worlds, probably 90% right. of the time. And so they don't even yeah. have to do a lot of study because they come from that world. They already yeah, know exactly. what those people are thinking. And so I don't want to overwhelm anybody. I just want to go, well, yeah, but you need to understand. So that's why we gravitate like attracts like. I mean, you know, you, you're going to probably gravitate towards people who are like you. That's why a lot of churches are mm-hmm. this way, by the way, and we don't need to get, this is the way people are, uh, you know, yeah, anyway, and, and so <laughs> some of it's really more natural than you think. You know, if you're seventy, you understand seventy-year-olds and aches and pains, and you're probably going to be able to witness to your buddies sitting there at McDonald's who are all retired, talking about the latest ball game or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it, <laughs> and that's going to be different than the twenty-two-year-old in the university who's the millennial or the new Gen Z or whatever. I mean, yep. you want to talk about cross culture? I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot about this, about these generations and this thinking, and oh my goodness, like. I mean, there's stuff I don't even get. I step on toes and I don't even know I'm stepping on toes. I mean, Sam, right. we had that talk, right? So, anyway, go ahead. Carry on. What are you thinking? Oh, was man. You, I mean, because you're so involved in a bunch of this, right? I mean, your world. Talk about your world. The world. You, <laughs> I mean, you, you don't evangelize ranchers so much, right? I mean, no, no, I don't evangelize what,
0: ranchers. What? I mean, my world is I'm still in my mid 20s and yeah. I mean, I'm graduated from undergrad uh 2017 so three three years now yeah yeah and so you know my world is is you know young people college students yep millennials you know coming on gen z people yeah um and a lot of postmodern thinkers truth relative oh it's just about expressing yourself it's you know about you know being you loving yourself very narcissistic in a sense um you know, confused on ethics, confused on gender, confused on sexuality. Uh, this hyper, like sensitive, like you know, you can't offend anybody. You got to be nice, like that type of culture that I'm interacting with on an evangelistic level a lot. But then, I mean, again, when you're on a when you're on a university campus a lot doing evangelism, you run into your atheists, you run into your agnostics, you run into your you know your different religions, you run into Muslims, you run, you run into different people like that. Um, and then you run into a lot of just regular old, you know, grew up in a small town, North Dakota guy who's getting his degree in egg science and wants to go back and farm. So yep. I do, I guess, run yeah, into yeah, the yeah, rancher sure. type. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and 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 let me just qualify. I'm not saying
0: that you wouldn't run
1: into somebody in, in some place in life. We've already talked about that. Who could be 20 years older than you in a completely different walk of life and you share Christ with them. I'm just right. saying that I'm trying to make a point that there is tends to be a natural flow for all of us. Exactly. That we're kind of yeah. in a world with people that are probably pretty similar to us in certain ways. Right. And that's like the ground zero relational evangelism that many of the people you are listening, listening is my, that's where they're going to spend 90 or 95% oh, exactly. of their time. And,
0: so, and sometimes I get so <laughs> like, you know, again, like you said, the professional. Like, like, yeah, this is, I think about evangelism a lot. It's what I do. For my vocation, right. I'm reading all the different books on all the different types. You know, again, I'm trying to educate myself on more than just you could say my my context that I'm around, right. Uh, so that when I do come across somebody that's, you know, the different person you could say that I'm used to, I'm I'm equipped to and en- to engage in a conversation and find mm-hmm. that doorway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I get so fascinated, literally, just to hear stories from the people that just, you know, they work a regular job, but they're evangelistic, they still I mean they have a heart to share Christ with people and yep. you just hear their convert, you know, their stories about how they interact with their coworkers. And that just fascinates me because I don't I don't get that. Like if I interact with my coworkers, it's doing this right now with Dan, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like uh, me interacting with my coworkers is interacting with Christian ministers and, you know, we're all on the same page here and and just to hear about the the evangelism that happens in the workplace and with with family and things like that. That just fascinates me. It just that's how it is for most people. And I, I really do enjoy hearing the stories about that. Sometimes I even envy them and not in a bad way or, you know, not in a simple way, but just like, wow, that is a cool I you know, the development of relationships, the you know, the hearing of people's stories, uh, you know, that type of stuff is is also Cool, and you know, I get a little bit of that with, you know, maybe you're involved, and that's why, you know, in the ministry world, you you can tend to get stuck in this kind of rut where the only people you're really hanging out with are other Christians, and you, 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 you can tend to, if you're not really, you know, uh, disciplined at developing relationships with non-believers, you can find yourself not knowing any non-believers, and this, and this happens to people in, in ministry, Um so then the, you, you obviously, like, get encouraged to get part of a club, maybe an archery club or, you know, go to a gym or join CrossFit or yeah. do something where you're actually rubbing shoulders with people that aren't yeah. believers or just, hey, you know. Hey,
1: could I, could I make a point there, too? That would be a valuable point. Um, Absolutely. Well, I'm thinking of a number of things, but you know, I'll try to make it real. In fact, I will make it very simple. I remember reading uh, a time that there were, like, church growth studies. And please, I don't want to get in debate, pro, negative, same thing, people, church growth, okay. Just realize there (laughs) are people that were just trying to analyze what's going on, and it could take on a life of its own and get weird, but a lot of people weren't trying to be weird, they just want to reach the world. And they were looking at systems and analysis, if you will, of different ways that churches operate to reach people. So church growth. Yep. Can get. I'm not trying to get there. I'm simply saying this. One of the things they observed, and it's a true observation. I think it's pretty accurate, is that they would say, and and I want to qualify it here. That's where I want to start here. They would say, "Yep." If you want to get to a non-Christian world, you need to spend time with a Christian. Okay. Say you have a new Christian. They yeah. just think of it. It's very simple. You have a new Christian. <clears throat> well, they're coming from a non-Christian world. So the minute they come to faith in Christ. Again, they begin. To, we begin to help them grow, and you find out, oh, they're really converted. It's the real deal. They have yep. a lot of non-Christian friends because that's the world they've been swimming in. Yep. And then they would have these statistics that would say you only have two or three years to kind of get into that their world through their doorway, if you will, sure. because in time they're not going to have that non-Christian world anymore. And so you only got right. two or three years. Now, it is a true observation. Now, there was another part of it, though, that always kind of bugged me because I would say – uh, early on, so think of even my stages, that would bug me because I'm like, well, why don't they work at keeping friendships with non-Christians and going into a non-Christian world? We read yesterday, we're supposed to be fishing for for men, you know? Right, so, right. my, so probably early on, well, that kind of bugs me. But then as I've observed life and even my own life, I realized, oh, it is kind of a natural gra- uh, gravitation. That's when I want to make a point without, again, yeah, nobody needs to feel this great guilt about this. The natural thing is, as you come to Christ, you begin to grow. Obviously, more and more of your friends are Christians. You have yeah. the greatest thing in common, Jesus Christ. And, right. and it's very natural for you to find yourself more and more in a Christian world. Yep. And so I don't want you to dog that. That's totally natural. The point I re- bring it up, though, is to realize that that is all of our tendency. And it's not a negative tendency. It would be a totally natural reality. Yeah. So given that, given that though that that happens, the re- I think it's more valuable to realize that as a disciple of Christ, walking with Christ, a huge part of my life is just not my natural flow. It's to it's to disciple, be disciplined to develop, you know, yep. develop a life. Well, part of what I think I have to do then is we have to be intentional. Is my point is what I'm trying exactly. to exactly about saying, oh, I need to probably find some places in my life where I can continue to engage non Christians. Yep, and for some people, uh, it's every day you're at a job and you got unbelievers yep. around you all the time. It's really natural, but sometimes you got to work at it. So one of my jokes I used to joke about is you'd have this this uh, church softball league, you know, which I'm fine yep. with. Again, please, everybody, hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Go have a church softball league. But frankly, um, it's Christians hanging out with Christians playing softball. But I'd have people think, you know, oh, this is our evangelistic witness ministry thing. And I'm like, yeah, but you're with a bunch of people who are off from the church. And so, (laughs) you know, why don't you get a softball team of a bunch of your Christian friends and go join the city league, you know? Yeah. In fact, I used to say this would be, you know, getting practical. Honestly, I I would even say this today. Now, I don't do this right now, but there was a day that I would have done. I did do some of this. Talking about evangelism, talking about building friendships with unbelievers. You're going to laugh at me, but one of the places I used to see, like, I thought was like the perfect place, was a bowling team. Like, <laughs> yeah. you walk in a bowling alley, I don't think they do anymore, and that place was filled with smoke, everybody's smoking, everybody's drinking <laughs> beer. ha! <laughs> But think about it. Think about what a bowling league is you throw a ball, and then you sit down and talk to people for 10 talk. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Then you stand you up, earn. and you throw a ball, and then you sit back down and talk. Uh, you're and right. I thought, what a perfect place to meet and hang out with a bunch of unbelievers. But please, right. don't go start a church bowling league. Just go join the city right. bowling league. And you're going to come home smelling like smoke, and you're going to have to put up with everybody cussing and telling you all sorts of gross stories about their life but you're going to build friendships with a bunch of unbelievers. Right. I mean, it's really a cool thought if you think about it. Like I used to think, so, I mean, I did some of that sort of stuff, you know, like, you know, I'd find places like that, that where I, so at one point I ended up in an archery league, you know? Yep. And to this day it got to the point that the now the owner of that, that archery shop that ran that league was a believer. He's a dear friend of mine to this day. But he kind of opened up this door and said, hey, come here and minister to the guys, man. And we saw yep. a bunch of these guys come to Christ through these relationships. In fact, one just called me. You know, you're talking about real stories. I, I met a guy that was a police officer in in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was living there. And uh, I met him through the archery League. And hey, uh Don, let's get together sometime and uh you know, I'd love to visit with you hear about your life. Sure. Yeah. So uh, it is it's funny because it was not McDonald's. He was he was on the road, please me. so I'm on the road every day. So let me know if you're around and of course that was before we had cell phones or anything. I don't even remember how I got a hold of him, but I called him, probably yep. pay pay I used pay phones all the time back then. Yep. Called him, "Hey Don, you want to get together? We got together. I never I can still remember this. This would have been 30 some years ago. Sitting down, talking to him at a McDonald's there, he is big, great, big, tough, rough guy, uh, sergeant in the police force, sharing the gospel with him, and we met two or three times. It looked, to the degree I could tell, that he had come to Christ, and he had a really tra- a traumatic story of a son that committed suicide that he felt guilty for. He felt like he was too hard. I mean, he was. It was a really honest interaction with this guy. I mean, just a dear. On the face of it, he looked like this great, big, tough, mean guy, but inside just soft. It was just awesome. And mm-hmm. it looked like he came to Christ. It was an amazing time. Well, I kind of lost touch with him. So I only had a few times with him, never saw him again. Uh, you know, heard his voice every once in a while, and I would see him at the Archery League, but never, you know, wasn't like this consistent. You know discipleship, and we can get talk about that more later. But the point was, is I just had a moment in time with him a few times. Now, here's what's crazy: I live in Kansas now, and this is literally 30 years later. Literally mm. in the last year or 18 months, he called me here. He found me. He and he called me, and he says, "Dan, this is Don, so and so." He said, Do "You remember me?" I said, "Absolutely." And he says, "Well, I just wanted to, to call you and tell you that, you know, those times that you talked to me were a turning point in my life. Wow! And I was just desperate, and you know, I came to know the Lord. And I've had, you know, a little color past. I had a marriage, and then it dissolved, and I had some difficulty. But I haven't, I haven't left what you talked to me about. I've, you know, I've, wow. And he says, the reason here's the issue. The reason I'm calling you is I've been just been diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's, and I, hmm. I mean, talk about it, I could start crying." And I thought I should call you and tell you this before I forget, because I'm gonna, wow. I'm gonna, my mind's gonna go, and you know it's gonna be the end of my life soon. And I just thought, I just wanted you to know that. Wow! Isn't that amazing? And that all,
0: That's I could crazy.
1: I could tell you another. Do it. Wow! Well, I had two more friends that have passed away from that archery league that both came to faith in Christ. And they're gone. They're gone now. And I, I had, and it was. My kind of my world, like you're, you know, we're sitting here talking to each other in our offices, You podcast can't see it, but it's funny because every time I do this with Sam, we, we do, we also have a little screen here so we can see each other over, (laughs) over his shoulder is a deer head and over my shoulder is a few deer heads. And, (laughs) but, but again, that, that, that is just my natural world for some of you listening to your world is golf or your girl, you know, is KU basketball or you know, knitting or something. I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> the point is, is that I guess going back to what I was saying earlier is that you're going to have to take initiative in this deal and you're going to yep. have to be, you know, intentional, but you can use things that are really natural in your world. And you go, how can I step into that world and hang out with a bunch of unbelievers? Right. And that's, you know, you can say, well, see, there's a weird part of that because while I do that, as a demonstration and we talked about this as the work of the evangelist, I think everybody should be doing that, you know, mm. in a sense, it's not, that's not just even just my work. It's just what I do. I kind of, I'm, yeah. I'm a duck and land on well, ponds. You well, know? That's, why we, what I do. that's why we
0: said it's, 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 it's somewhat organic. It's just like, uh-huh. yeah. It, I mean, and it, it, it comes down to just like, I mean, and you, because Dan told that story of his, his old, uh, one of his old um, evangelist professors, you know, the, you know, the PhD guy in the in yeah. the convenience store thing. And I mean, we all have, even us who do evangelism a lot, like him, have moments where we, we, I mean, I've had a lot where I just, no, there it was. There was the, there was that doorway. There it was. And I know it. And I like, there it was, I could take it. I could ask the question and I could get into an evangelistic conversation. I could get into the gospel. I know I could do it right now. But I'm like, you know, I'm tired. I'm talking to people. I I don't want to do it right now. It's like the thing is, is is once you start thinking evangelistically, like you actually have it on your heart. I do want to share the gospel with people and you're aware of what they're what they're telling you. You realize that doorways are everywhere. Oh, I mean, they're just I, uh, everywhere. People are lobbing you up doorways, <laughs> just like softballs. Like here it is, here's another one, here's another one. It's like they tell you about their life, and it's, it's like, oh my goodness, if I just <laughs> asked this one, this I mean, one question, so I had I a could guy be into a. Go-
1: oh Sam, I, I, oh now you're gonna get me going because I have so many stories. I had a guy here on another guy. He he'd fill my uh, you know, liquid petroleum LP, you know, LP gas. That's what we run off. Yep. I live out in I live out in the country here in Kansas outside the city <clears throat> and yep. uh uh you've been to my place you know it's really kind of pretty and fun and i love the country thing
0: it's awesome <laughs>
1: yeah and um so the guy's filling up my lp tank i mean it's just perfect so he's filling up my tank his name his name was dan and he- he's filling up just standing the night out, out here outside my office here out in the driveway you know just imagine out, you're out in the country you're on this gravel driveway gravel road he's filling up my lp yep. tank. Hey Dan, and we got talking. I said, "You ever think about I'm just curious. You ever think about spiritual stuff at all?" Yeah, but it's not something I care to talk about. Really? <laughs> I said, "Why?" <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> he went on for the next half hour or 40 minutes telling me about his experience in churches and this thing and that thing and I had a whole time to talk to him about the gospel. It's it's crazy. I had another guy one time at the archery league. Here was a guy, another guy. Everybody said, you can't talk to him. He was this little businessman. He reminds me of Zacchaeus. He was like this small little statured guy who was really mouthy and mean. Okay. And yeah. Everybody said, you can't, you know. And he was from, he was part, actually, I know he was a thief. I know. How do I say this? <laughs> Just think of the biz- a businessman who has a lot of money.
0: Yep. Yep. but
1: probably not good relationships because he's kind of through his hard, hard self pushed people away. probably um, travels around the world, hunts, he hunted in lots of, you know, exact places he had money to do it. And he invited me to, to his place, to see his place. Mm-hmm. And, I say this to you because later, after this, let me tell you the end point. He he had went back to that same archer shop and said, hey, you know, he liked me. He turned out that he liked me, even though he didn't like to talk to people normally. And a lot of yep. people didn't get along with him. But I went to his house, found that he was part of a, well, he was a Christian scientist. So it's a cult, right? He had his own, yep, his own yep. belief. And even that was probably some mixture of something. But here's how I knew. Here's what's funny. Well, so, you know, I'm just curious. You think about spiritual stuff? And he's like... Yeah, but it's not something I care to talk to anybody about. And I said, "Really? Well, why?" Yeah. Why? The ne- he went on for the next hour and told me everything he believed, and I was able—I was able the whole time—talk to him about the gospel. Yep. That's all I did. So you think about spirit. right? Yeah, but it's not something I want to talk about. Why?
0: Why? Said, Boom. I,
1: I, mean, even told me, I have my own <laughs> practitioner. I said, "I remember, never forget." I mean, this is thirty-some years ago. I have my own practitioners I talk to. Oh, okay. But, you know, why Why wouldn't you be interested in talking to people about it? Boom. Here we yeah. go. Yep.
0: And, Doorway. Uh, wide open. I'm, I'm Drive a bus through it. Oh,
1: it's crazy. I was going to tell you <laughs> another one since we were on that archery league thing. I hadn't, I, I'll just tell you a couple more. I had another one of a guy since I've been here in Kansas. I've, again, I've lived here 20 some years. This was a guy 28 or 30 years ago. A friendship with him, another guy, kind of you know standoffish, people don't get to, and I got to know him, and he wanted to hang out with me a little bit. We actually went on a, a hunting couple hunting trips together. Got a chance to share the gospel with him, and he actually looked like he responded to the gospel, and actually got a chance to spend more time with him, going through you know a number of like say Christian foundational stuff with him. Call it you know some people mm-hmm. call it discipleship, whatever you want to call it. And then there was a point in time there. He wouldn't talk to me, he wouldn't return my calls. He was a a, a advertising executive. He wouldn't return my phone calls. He wouldn't see, and I thought, man, what did I do? You know, that I I said something wrong, which, you know, I can be mouthy and I'm, you know, I just felt bad Like He just doesn't like, he didn't wanna hang out with me anymore because you know it was relational, Mm -hmm. relational kind of ministry. And, um, and I never knew what happened. I thought maybe I heard it, you know, I screwed up. I don't know, literally, literally. Just a few years back, here I am sitting here in my office in Kansas. I get a call from that guy from another state. He calls me. Same thing. He happened to be in a church, okay, and he saw at that church, happened to have a a prayer letter from me posted on some bulletin board, and he saw my number. Hmm. So he called Hmm. me, and he called me to reconcile with me. And I told him, I said, you know, Jim, I always wondered what happened. Like, you just kind of disappeared, and you wouldn't talk to me. You wouldn't return my calls. And he said, it had nothing to do with you. And he said, it was me. I, you know, he was probably, I've seen that before in guys, all of a sudden. A lot of times, I actually think a guy comes to Christ. Now he's feeling guilty or something because he's not living life right. I'll just say that. I mean, it happens. It really does. It's not new to me. I I usually know, you know, okay. Yeah. But in that case, I really did thought maybe I really blew it. Well, I didn't sure. do. It. I didn't do anything wrong. And here he was calling me, and then a year after he called me, uh, he died. Hmm. And uh, anyway, sad, sad story. And but he called me to tell me. You know, he knew Christ. He walked with the. He walked with God. He had struggles. He went through a broken marriage. That same third, third thing. It was. It was messy. There was a messiness to his life. Uh, yep. But but by listening to him again, I don't know. You can't always read people's hearts perfectly, but you know, in word and the way he sounded, he sounded like a, a real believer, you know. Yep. And uh, I, I thought I'd just throw that story out there. But again, it's yeah. all it's all this idea of let's me go back to the one I was laughing at. Join a bowling league, <laughs> you know? right? Go join right. something. Hang out with some unbelievers, you know. And, right. you, and you build a whole life, and you become a person in their life. And a lot of times, when the stuff hits the fan in their life, you're the guy they come to. Uh, just because you've been a friend, right? And you've talked about things, and you've asked a few questions, and you don't have to, you know. Again, think of that. I, I, that one is always funny to me. Um. I'll tell you another one. There was a mechanic working on my truck, and uh, I got talking to him a little bit. Oh, you think about spiritual stuff? Yeah, but you know, I, you know, uh, people of religion, all a bunch of hypocrites, and blah 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 yeah. blah Difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and and I said. I said dude never forget it. I said you sound like Jesus. I do? He yeah. said yeah, he had a real problem with people. <laughs> he had a real problem with people who 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 said they knew God but then they clearly didn't live like they knew God. And yep. and he he was on their case about it. Really? Yep. I I said yeah, you know we ought to get together for, you know, whatever, whatever your thing is, you know. In fact, that was funny. He wanted to meet me at at the bowling alley. He liked to bowl. I was like, okay, I'll meet you at the bowling alley. And he liked to drink his beer and bowling alley. Oh well, we meet there. And he said, because what I did is I said, we ought to get together. I'd like to share some things with you, just talk to you, and and, and show you in in his own words some things that Jesus actually said. And I think you'll be fascinated because you sound a lot like him.
0: He said, <laughs> Oh, and I got him. You he hooked said, him he right said, in.
1: He said, We can do that. And another guy. <laughs> I And to this day, I he came—I don't know. I spent a lot of time with the guy. I'm going to guess, you know, I, he, he might actually came to Christ. We certainly talked about the gospel. Certainly went through some discipleship stuff with the guy. But, dude, I got hundreds of stories like that.
0: Right. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. It's just like these opportunities, <laughs> if you actually open your eyes a little bit and you're thinking about it, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just—that's, again— methods like what would you how would you even label that method a guy's working on my car i asked him a spiritual question and then i just you know asked another follow-up question and bam there it is
1: well i hope that one's even applicable here sam that people see the application i ask people that stuff a lot So so in this COVID thing, okay, this COVID thing, we're in here again, May 2020, right in the middle of this COVID stuff when we're talking right now on this podcast, we're trying to utilize our time best we can. It's kind of weird. We know that and blah, blah, blah. But I even, I have a health condition. I have a lung disease. I have to be careful with this thing and it bothers me because I'm young at heart, but I probably, I probably could have problems with COVID. I probably could, you know, I don't know. I'm a strong, healthy guy, but I do have this immune problem in my lungs. So, I'm trying to be careful, but in the midst of this, I've done a few things. I, I, I'm working on some projects around the house. So I bought like some wood off of Craigslist, and the guy said, "Oh, I'll deliver it to your house." I thought, oh, "Okay." And then there was another guy who gave me a window, and I went over to his house. You know, we did the distance thing. And I'd stand on one end of the truck, and he'd stand on the other. And the point in all of that is, over a, a, a few week period, that and a couple other interactions I had with people, even in this social distancing thing. Yep. The door has been thrown wide open because all I ask wow. these guys, hey, with this COVID thing going on and disease and everything going on, do you got, I'm just curious, I mean, how's it affecting you? And then in that conversation pretty quickly, like, how's it, how do you think about life and death? You know, people are dying of this thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. Well, you know, what are you going to, like, what's going to happen if you die? Oh, I don't know. What happens if there's a God and he wonders what, what's going to, you know, what are you going to say? And mm-hmm. you know, I've been thinking about that a lot. I talked to my wife about that the other night. We were talking about that. One, one guy told me, "Oh, the yep. door's thrown wide open for me to talk about the gospel." Oh, man, well, can I can I just tell you? Can I again? I ask a question. This would be another little question I usually ask people. Can I just tell you what I think about that? Would that be all right? Yeah. Tell me yep. what you think. That's, I literally say, "Can yep. I just?" I think about that a lot, believe it or not. And I just curious. Yep. Here's here, here's how I think about it. Boom. Tell them the gospel. Yep. Tell I think me. God actually exists, and he created us, and he created us to know him and to walk with him. But we got this huge problem, sin. Right. And literally, I can't tell you how often I can share that with people, sometimes in just two or three minutes. Yep. um, You know, some. And, uh, in fairness, it's usually longer with lots of discussion and things going on. It's a, there's an yep. art, art to that. Once you, but the, here's the issue. It doesn't matter what they say to me. Doesn't matter what we talk about. In my mind, I'm thinking, how does this get me to the gospel? Yeah. And if you get around Dan Rudman, people tell me this, and it's maybe it's embarrassing. I just feel like I, you know, I got this one thing I want to talk about. And and so it doesn't matter. We can talk about anything under the sun. I'm thinking, how does it get me to that? Mm. How does it get me to the gospel? And so Literally, in the last few weeks, I've had four conversations with with four guys that I came in contact with. This COVID thing was the easiest thing in the world. I had another yeah. guy, another guy gave me a window. He's got, he literally afterwards texted me his name. I said, when this thing's done, we need to get together and talk. He said, Oh, I'd love to do that. He literally told me, I'm talking. I said, So, you know, life, death. You think about you thinking about spiritual stuff in this thing. Does that kind of come in? The, oh yeah, I went and got baptized. I figure at fifty-some, I've lived life the wrong way. I better get it right now. <laughs> 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 but think about that. And I'm I'm making an assumption that those that are listening this long to us realize that just because they got ba- baptized, he what's that mean, right? Right, right. And I was able to say, so what's that mean? To, what's that mean to you? And and he kind of talked. About, I said, well, you know. And I went on and talked about the gospel. And I just said, you know, this would be fun to talk more about this. I get a chance to talk to a lot of people about this. It's kind of what I do. Now, that that's easier yep. for me to say that, but you But anybody could say that to somebody. I said, when this right. thing's done, I said, uh, I got your text here with your number. I said, if you want to, I'll give you a call. Maybe we can grab coffee or something. Oh, I'd love that. So, and then since then, he literally has texted me of other stuff he was throwing out at his house. He was renovating his house. That's how I ended up with this window he gave me. I mean, he's, he remembers me. He has my number. He literally was very trying to literally contact me. Hey, I'm tearing some cabinets out. If you want them, you can come over and get them if you want. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. You know, that guy's 40 minutes from me. It's not like he's down the road. So all yeah. of a sudden, I have this new guy that gave me a window. I saw him on Craigslist giving these windows away because I was looking for stuff to build this shed thing. Yep. And uh, there's I have another guy that wants to get together for a cup of coffee and talk. Yeah. <laughs> And it started with a windows off window off Craigslist. <laughs> yep.
0: Unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's and so much- I mean that's and that again, that's just so practical. That's just stuff that people everybody can do something like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody's interacting with somebody on a daily level. Hey, oh, it's just I got another one. Can I tell you another one? <laughs> you can tell me as many as you want, Dan. Am I annoying you? Uh, no I, okay
1: so I, i'm standing in line oh not even in line. there was nobody there I, I'm, I'm that's hey can i say that too as a tip i am careful about people as much as you hear me talking and stuff when people are working and they're working for an employer or even at your job you have to be careful about this stuff right because seriously we need to be christian we can say oh it's about the gospel we need to get it to them no we have to be careful we have to be good citizens and good employees and 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 let other people be good employees. And I say that to you simply because I'm careful that when I get in a conversation like this with somebody and they're on the job or they're working that I don't take them away from what they're really supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I I may throw something out there but it's always, "Hey, let's grab coffee sometime and talk about it." And then get them out of that setting where they're on their own time. Just let you right. know. So I don't I try. Right. And I probably have done it wrong in when you know my earlier days and my zeal, but we really do need to be sensitive to people's time and life and right you know buttonholing well, yeah, them up. And, you know p- p- pinning them on yep. the street somewhere where they're trying to get somewhere sometimes i'm not so sure about that I and mean, i'm not picking on the guys that do some of that but somebody's well, not and, and that's somebody wants, you, go ahead
0: you can bring in your theology against like if that person that you yeah they're working right now maybe you just say yeah i won't have a conversation yeah. right now if they're an elect it's not like uh oh Dan didn't barge in when they were working. Now they're, you know, not going to be saved. Yeah, it's just like, yeah,
1: God will take care of that. Yeah, so so again, it's fun. We get to just try. And anyway, I was I was so here's that was a tip. I didn't mean to get off on that, but like I was at a, a little farm store, you know, one of these farm places, buying some chicken feed or something. I don't remember what I was buying, but I'm the only guy standing there, and I realized I didn't have any cash. I just had my checkbook. Okay, now that sounds weird because I've been even with you, Sam. You don't even carry cash anymore. You guys carry plastic. Right, you, plastic? Why? Okay, and so. we
0: Venmo each other and I cash. I know,
1: it. I know. It's hilarious. I don't, you even, probably don't even know I don't what, know what I don't, that is. Well, I know, I've heard of it. I, that's all I know. <laughs> so think of that, though. So here's how I played on it. I pulled the checkbook out of my pocket and I looked at this gal. I said, You probably don't even see anybody write these things anymore. And she says, well, no, sometimes. I said, yeah, this is just for us old guys. You know, as we get older, this is just from another generation. We write checks, right? She says, yeah. And I said, yeah, you know, as you get older, you know, we're we're all going to face death. That's what I said. I'm standing in line writing a check. <laughs> she says, yeah. I said, so do you ever think about life and death? I'm just curious. She, oh, I think about it all the time. But she says, you know what? We're told not to ask about that. You're not supposed to talk about that sort of stuff. And I said, yeah, yeah. isn't it fascinating? Something you actually think about. So I said, in that thinking about life and death, do you ever think about the reality of a God that maybe created you, put you here? She says, I think about that stuff. But again, she says, it's something you're not supposed to talk about. And I said, well, I said, it's the most important stuff you'll ever think about really, if you think about it. And I said, so I said, have you ever read a Bible? No. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, uh, do, do you know what? Do you have access to one? I think I do. I said, sometime just pull out a Bible and read the Gospel of John. Maybe just the three or four first three or four chapters. It's J O H N Gospel of John." And I said, "You know, it talks a lot about this Jesus who showed up on Earth. You know, said he knows a lot about life and death. And there's something mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. a person having a relationship with God uh, through Christ that makes all the difference in the world." And I said, it's mm-hmm. "Maybe something you want? Where I'm, I'm going to do that?" She said, "Boop, write my check, off I go." Now I just did that with you, Sam, and I don't know if nobody had their stopwatch. It was about sixty seconds, ninety seconds. Right, right. So the imagery, the imagery that, that that guides my life, and that, by the way, is this wonderful little picture I always have. I actually have a little, one of these little watercolored artworks sure. from from the story. Maybe you've seen it. I put it on various letters over the years, because I always like to use the same image. It's this little painting picture from Pilgrim's Progress, John yeah. Bunyan's Pilgrim, where the pilgrim, he's, his name is Christian, he's a pilgrim, he's looking, for, you know, he's he's on this, the, the metaphor is he's on this search to to yep. solve this burden on his back. He'd yep. read this great book, the Bible, and, he, and now he's got this burden on his back, sin, right? Yep. That's the metaphor. Please read the story or at least listen to it or something. Anyway, he runs into this guy. And in the story, the guy is evangelist. Yep. And I love the imagery because here's what happens. He's looking for, you know, he's looking for obviously for heaven, for salvation, for the cross. He doesn't know all that yet, but he's on this journey. And the evangelist says, you know, has this conversation. And all the the evangelist does is point, oh, you need to go through yonder wicket gate, you know. And and basically the metaphor is he's pointing the guy towards Christ, towards salvation, towards yep. the gospel. But the, the cool part of the story is the evangelist disappears. He's gone now. He's not in the story yep. anymore. He's not there every day with the journey. He's not in the whole right. process because God's the one that's doing all this. He just yeah. kind of showed up. Well, then later yep. later in the story, you know, pilgrim gets off the way. If you're, I don't, yep. you know, you know the story. And he gets, I read it. Yep. He kind of gets tempted and does some dumb thing and kind of gets out the way. And guess who shows up again? Evangelist. Whoop. And he's like, <laughs> oh, no, what, what are you doing over here, dude? Like, you're, you're walking the wrong way. You need to go back over there. And so the imagery to me is like, as we go out into the world, I'm standing there at a farm store writing a check for chicken feed. And I get 30 or 90 seconds to, t- you know, 60, 90 seconds to say something. Yeah. And you have no idea how God will elect- crazy. supernaturally electrify that thing. And what? and then I, I literally in my life have heard the stories of people later like that, 30 years later, 20 years later. I mean, and again, I could keep mm. telling you those stories of people who yep. come up to me. I had a guy in the jail. I go to the jail every week. I've had for 22 years. Guy, And I think I said this in a previous podcast. Literally, I walk in a room. The guard story, right? No, this wasn't a nurse. No. This was different, different than the guard story. <laughs> but this guy, oh, okay. <laughs> well, this guy, this guy, I just it was a great story. They come in, guys pile in there, and they can ask me anything they want. Sometimes it's antagonistic, you know, why do you believe this, and well, how's that different than Islam or this thing or that thing, and blah blah, yeah. blah 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 blah. And so I answer their questions, and then I point them to the gospel every week. That's my goal. I said that in a previous cast. But yep, and I always tell them, my after I'm done with the gospel, I, say, I don't want you to pray with me. I said, you could, but I said, what I really would like you to do, I'm going to pray for you and I want to send you back to your cell. And, um, you know, say there's eight guys in there or 14 guys in there. I said, I would encourage you to go back. You got Bibles available here, which is interesting. A lot of places you can't even have a Bible anymore, but in jails we can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're desperate for anything to get get them something to help them. Yeah. (laughs) The government, you know. Uh, So, anyway, they can get a Bible. And I said, you know, I tell them to read like a couple. Passages I send them to. I said, you need need to get on your knees and do business with God. You need to turn from your mm-hmm. sin and trust Christ. You know I proclaim to them yep. they what they need to do. I said I don't want you. It's not just about saying a prayer. It's not just about sitting here. You know, with me. It's about you getting right with God. And I said and mm-hmm. only He can rescue you. And it's between you and Him. So I really urge you to go back to your cell and do that. And I've been saying that for twenty two years to you know I don't know how many guys every hundred few hundred guys every year up there in jail. Yep. Well. One year, I got an uh, opportunity to a- be invited to actually go preach up in the prison, okay? So I understand you have a local jail, where some yep. guys serve at local time, but in most cases, there's a transition. They're either going to get out, you know, after their case, or they get bumped up to prison. You know, they're, now they're yep. transferred to a new place, a higher level, going to serve your two years or four years in prison. Yep. Well, um, uh, I got a, a chance to go up to the actual prison again. So I, I used sure. in turn local jail. It's a revolving door, different guys every week coming in and out generally. And um, now I go up to the prison. Well, I was up there in the front row and I was going to preach in the prison. And and the reason I was going to preach up there is it was a whole, it used to be called prison fellowship ministries. Some people maybe know yep. that term, but, you know, just think of a prison ministry and they had a prison ministry. Yeah. You know, there was a whole, and there's offshoots of that now. But it was, a, just oh, sure. think of a prison ministry, and they have a chapel service, 175 guys or something came to come to this chapel service, and they had me come yep. up and preach. So I'm sitting in the front row, and this really handsome, well-built young guy comes walking by in front of me. I never, That's why I can just remember it, thinking he was just so sharp. And he stopped, and he looked at me, and he says, Pastor Dan, which is what they call me in the jail. It's the only place in the world that anybody calls me Pastor Dan. It's hilarious. Except uh, overseas. Yeah, I guess they do that over there, too. You yeah, they
0: know. write it on your name tag, Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I, I never
1: use that title anywhere. So when I'm in town here, I'll, I've literally had people from like, you know, I walk in a restaurant, somebody's from the kitchen, hey, Pastor Dan, and I know where I'm at. You know them. where they're from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. So I'm sitting in the front row ready for this chapel service this young guy comes walking by in front of me never forget he looks right at me he says pastor dan he literally grabbed a chair out of the row slid it up to my knees imagine now i i'm looking at this chair he sits down and looks me straight in the eye no social distancing here man he's like 18 <laughs> inches from my face he looks at me and he said i always wondered if i'd get a chance to see you he said you led me to jesus he hmm. said, you were in the jail. I, and I remembered him. I remember right where he was sitting the night he was there. I only saw him for a week or two. And the same thing. I just shared the gospel. Never see a guy again. I'm that evangelist in that story, see? Yep. He walks out. He puts his, he looks me right in the face. I always wanted to, wanted, I wondered, I, I, I literally prayed. And I always wondered if I had to be able to tell you, you're the one that told me about Jesus and led me to Christ. Hmm. I'm like, Really? And he said, I've been here in prison for four years. I'm about ready to get out. I've been involved in this program, this discipleship program, and this whole four years I've done really well. And he said, I'm walking with the Lord, and I'm planning on living a life now. Now, I don't know what happened, and you know, but the point is, is that there are a boatload of stories. You talked oh, about um. the guard one, and since it's hanging there, I'll just say it quick. Yeah, I talk to these guys that are guards at the jail too all the time. Yep. And I had one guy that actually, same thing. Hey, you know, he's on the job. I want to be careful. Hey, let's grab coffee sometime. Talk more about that. So I had a guy over 10 years ago, a guard that I met for coffee. He said it was more than once. I don't even know. But it was like one or two times I met with coffee. We talked about the gospel. And uh, uh, about a year ago, summer ago, I just got back. This was what was crazy. I just got back from overseas, Ethiopia, uh, training pastors and evangelism and church planning. And I, I won't, we literally got back the night before. You're jet lagged. You're tired. And there was this new kind of church being planted in our city. And I, so my wife mm-hmm. and I thought, hey, let's go just not – Just I knew people there. I said it would be fun to go someplace different today just to see. So I know there's some people there that have asked us to you know, stop in some time. I like that young guy. He's pastoring. So we went and yep. visited. And I went up afterwards and I, I, I'm talking to this young pastor. I said, Hey, yeah, I just got back from Ethiopia. We're visiting. Blah, blah, blah. And over my shoulder, I hear this voice You know, Pastor, there's this guy. His name's Dan Rudman. He's the first guy that ever talked to me about the gospel. And he was saying it because he knew I was standing there. And I turn around, yeah. and there he's standing there. He's this big, looming, you know, six foot six, nice looking big, big dude, you know. And he goes on and he starts telling, telling me. And anyway, he said, yeah, I, I got, you know, he lost his job at the jail for the a variety of, you know, he, was, he said, I was, I was screwing around in life and not doing real well. And I heard what you had to say, but he said, I just want you to know that hung with me all these years. And it, like three years prior to this event now that he, I'm at, he mm-hmm. had come to know Christ and he was married and he was having a baby and he was active in this church. And I was like, seriously, yeah, you were the first one that told me and it never left me. It stuck with me hmm. for years through all this. And, and I thought, isn't that something? Wow. So so I just praise the Lord I get a chance to have a few glimpses of this stuff, right? Like Yep. It's unbelievable. Like, it's unbelievable. Like it's just like, really? Oh. And you can tell I'm even dumbfounded. I'm like, "Really?" Like, oh. like that's stuck with you all that time? Yeah, I never forgot it. Blah blah blah.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> so anyway, well, we're about an hour and well probably okay. a little over an hour. All right. Let's wrap it up on this one. I mean, this one again, like if you're listening, very practical. A lot of stories. Like, th- I mean, this is when we talk about methods. It's just like it's just so organic. It's again, the gospel message is is this this message that there's only one message. Finding the scripture. That's what we're trying to get to, but the way we get to this message, it's again super complex, super organic, and it's as you're going through life, in a sense, yeah. Um, so, I mean, everybody has has the ability to have conversations like that. You know, if you have an LP, you know, tank, propane tank in your yard and some guy's <laughs> filling it up, it's like, you can have a conversation like that. I mean, everybody gets their septic pump too sometimes. If you live out in the country, you know, you yep. have your septic tank. I mean, then yep. the septic guy comes on, pumps it. It's like all these different things like that. But, I mean, I just, and that's what's just so cool about, like, evangelism is, I mean, Again, as Christians, we should be people that just are talking about the gospel. We just want to talk about the gospel. We want to tell people the gospel. We want to proclaim the gospel. And some of us do it at a more, you know, you could say a vocation of it. We're doing it more full-time. We're thinking more about a diversity of people that we might interact with uh, outside of just our, our cultural sphere of, you know, living life in your community. Um, but again, everybody has people in their life that, that they can talk about the gospel with, really. But we're going to, in the next episode, probably transition more into um, talking about this idea of the the evangelist in the big event, the tent thing, this these crusades, this let's gather like 100,000 people in a stadium and put on this big event and share the gospel. Like, I mean— we're just gonna critique it a little bit, talk about it, give some of our opinions, and you know, I just I just want to talk about it because that's. I'm that's sorry, I'm the, laughing,
1: but Sam, Sam, just the way you have said this, I'm sure people can go like you have a you have a skepticism. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you didn't you didn't just say let's just talk about that. You kind of like uh, like I yeah, don't know I have a,
0: I, yeah, well, again, I I do want to talk about it because yeah. pro- it's it, much more nuanced it, it, than I might be saying. I'm not gonna yeah. just throw well, it all right. out.
1: Yeah, we need to talk about it because honestly, we need to talk it, about it. It's a historic phenomena, sort of.
0: Exactly,
1: and it is. It really is with it, and there's some strengths and weaknesses that are worthy yep. of at least thinking about and interacting about. And uh, yep. I think I think the other thing though, Sam and I talked before we started this podcast, um, and the only thing I would want to add is like partly what we're trying to do. I think is um, the exa- Here's the example I think about. Okay, so while I'm this full-time vocational guy, and we talked about yep. this a couple of sessions ago, if you haven't listened to it, I wish you would. What is the role of the evangelist? And, and one of the key things that's very clear in scripture is that the evangelist is to help God's people be about evangelism. Yeah. And so yep. while I may have a lot of stories and experiences, it's meant to exhort and encourage and bless others to be part of this, okay? Yes. So with that example, maybe, I don't know if I... Sam, I know we're almost we're out of time, and I'm sorry, but I I just think it's important for people to understand. Yep, the imagery I gave it to you earlier when we started, we were talking about this. It's like me having an orchard. If I'm a a, a farmer, again, I'm from Western Michigan where I had friends that have these huge orchards. It's amazing, you know. And Mm -hmm. there's all these apple trees and orchards. And I have these orchards. Mm -hmm. I have a jail. I have a campus presence, you know, speaking, doing apologetic kind of stuff. I have these relational contexts. I have businessmen. I mean, I could go down a whole list. I'll go anywhere, talk to about anybody if I get the chance to talk about the gospel. Okay, so I don't even have. That's another discussion we'll probably have. I don't have just this one slice, you know, identify the kind of people, business people, this people. I, I do all sorts of kinds of people. <laughs> yep. I'll go I'll go anywhere. With that said, I have this whole orchard. And God has allowed me to do that. He's opened that door and right. he's called me. Most of the people listening to this aren't gonna cultivate an orchard, but you gotta right. you got an apple tree in your backyard.
0: Right. That's
1: what and that's why we wanted to be somewhat practical, like you are gonna have, as Sam already said, the LP tank. You're gonna have a gas station. That would be another tip I tell you. Go to the same gas station and get to know the people behind the counter. I mm-hmm. went with my youngest daughter now, who's kind of a young evangelist chick, you know, she's a photographer and she's just got a just a I mean God's got a great work in her life. She loves the Lord, loves to talk to people about the Lord. And she saw me one time. She was just in her teens. We went to this gas station. I'm talking to the person behind the counter and hey, how are you doing? How'd that surgery go? This thing and that thing. And she says, Dad, do you talk to like everybody? Do you know everything about everybody? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I asked that person some questions before about how, what's how's their job. Do they like it? They were complaining to me. They were hurting. Well, how are you hurting? Oh, I've had back problems. Well, they start telling you about back surgery. Well, guess how that leads you. Well, when you're in surgery, you ever think that maybe you'll die there? Yeah, I think about that. <laughs> and so here's my daughter saying, like, Dad, how do you do this? Everywhere I go, you know everybody. Well. I literally, I'm not being this weird, guys. I'm really not, like, I literally do try to go to the same gas stations Mm -hmm. and get to know those people. Mm -hmm. I literally know Richard at the QT. Richard and I have went out for coffee and talked about the gospel (laughs) from behind the counter. (laughs) I don't want to take him away from his work. He's supposed to be working, but I can ask him questions about his life real quick and After a while, he gets to know you. He's seen me in there, you know, two times a week or whatever, once a week for, you know, two years. Yeah. And so that's what – I get. I don't want to labor anymore. Everybody can have an apple tree. I know you're not all going to have orchards. I don't expect people to be me. You're laughing at me. Oh, I love it. I have so many. I'm telling you. I I have have so many conversations like this. Uh, See, my (laughs) mind's just going. Here, oh, hey, I know. Okay, I pull through a drive-through at a Burger King. <laughs> the gal goes to hand me a sandwich. She's got a cross hanging from her neck.
2: Right. And oh, that's, said, a, that's I said, a "Hey, top you got a cross. Right
1: you know what that means?" I said, "That's fa- it's fascinating. You got a cross on there. Do you know what that means?" Yeah. Well, no, not really. I'm, you know, she named some religious background she came from. She's that, so I just wear it. It's part of it. I'm like, oh, really. I said, did you ever think like that? That that was a real guy who claimed to be God, who claimed to create us, who actually died on that cross and came back to life in real history. And he did it for our sin. Have you ever heard that? Well, no, not quite like that. I said, well, it's something you might want to think about. Thanks for the burger. See you. God bless you. (laughs) Bye-bye. I couldn't tell you how many people I've said that to. Yeah. and I'm sure some people think I'm goofy, which I am, but I'll live with it. I'll live with I'll live All with right. the ch- I'll live with the chance that I was the evangelist in that person's life, in fifteen yep. in that fifteen or twenty seconds, yep. and it set the course
0: of their life, and you will never know. Yep, yep. And it might be that you planted a seed, somebody else comes, God brings another messenger, another evangelist. They do some watering, and God causes the growth. It's there just it is. Like, there it is. There it is. It's like God's the one involved. He's the one. He's the one active in seeking okay. out and drawing and, in his <laughs> lost sheep and finding his lost sheep. Yep. Good grief. In fact, we can they, even
1: now think about the joy of this. Hopefully you hear our excitement. This is what God, think about this. God has invited us to participate in this.
0: Oh, it's so awesome.
1: It is, I walk out every day out my door and I'm in a world charged with the supernatural. Mm. And I just need to be aware of it. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Look around. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. Yeah. And I get to step into it like a big playground and get to see God use my life. And just have a ball, mm. right? Right. I mean, okay. Sorry. Okay.
0: Let's wrap this. <laughs> let's wrap this one up, and we can do another one. Okay. <laughs> and we can talk some more. Okay. <laughs> okay. So thanks for listening to this. Uh, I think. Oh, oh man, what is this? Episode four? What did I say? Episode three, four? The series? I don't even know. Yeah, I think we're on I four. Even, I wrap? think we're we're on I four. I think. Yeah okay so thanks for listening tune back into the next one as we continue our discussion because we have we still have a lot a lot to say so thanks for listening bye